Hi, and welcome back to the latest edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Rubinson, and it's only going to be me today as Shai Dweck. He had stuff to do. He's going to take care of what he has on his end. Well, the NFL trade deadline has come and gone. Obviously, not as much action as we may have hoped, but we've now reached the midpoint of the season. And obviously, we have some really good and interesting games to get to, so we're going to break them down, or I guess I'm going to break them down. I'm going to give you my picks for the week, and uh, let's get right into it, because it's game time. So, we'll start with tonight's game. This podcast is being recorded uh, on Thursday night, so anything after that, you know, I won't, we won't be able to get, you know, I won't be able to get to if there's like a major injury or development that we don't know at this time. So the Packers against the 49ers, and I think at the beginning of the season, or even just a week or two ago, this would have been a really fun and interesting game to watch. But the entire this entire 49ers team is you know just so depleted with a mix of injuries when you look at George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, and a bunch of others. And then you look at a lot of their COVID cases, you know, whether they're actual positives, false positives, or close contacts, you know, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Brandon Ayuk and Trent Williams had to go be- on the COVID list because they're in close contact. So this was a game that I feel like, you know, it sh- it should be a blowout. Green Bay should be should blow them out. I know Green Bay might have the, might not have the healthiest team. Aaron Jones is supposed to make his return tonight, albeit in a bit of a limited capacity. Uh, Alan Lazar, they're thinking maybe he could return this week, but it obviously didn't help that it was a short week. So he is going to have to wait at least another week before making his return. I mean, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers, uh, mainly for obvious reasons. I, I, I've i said before, I think Nick Mullins is a solid quarterback, or I, I think he can be a low-end starter in this league, and I think as a backup, you know, you're in decent hands. But, I mean, the, this Packers team is, you know, they've shown at 5-2, and two, they've shown that they can score points. Their defense has been very good, led by Jair Alexander, who's been their shutdown cornerback. And this 49ers, their overall team, but especially that offense, is just so depleted. You know, whenever you have a guy like Nick Mullins, can he win a game for you, you know, in an emergency situation? Maybe, maybe not. But when you don't have the pieces around him, you don't have George Kittle, you don't have Brandon Ayuk, you don't have Debo Samuel, you don't have Raheem Mostert, there's so many injuries and obviously other COVID situations on this Niners offense, it's just going to make it so incredibly difficult for the Niners to get this win. And I saw something earlier this week that no player on the Niners who, on the Niners offense who touched the ball in last, or I guess in the January AFC or NFC championship game will be playing tonight for the 49ers. No offensive player touched the ball. Quarterback, running back, receiver, Tight end, nobody. So you just look at that and just see how depleted. And it's not like the Niners had a huge overhaul or makeover. That's all injuries and COVID nineteen in a COVID nineteen situation. So I just don't see the Niners this depleted and really. <laughs> it's these aren't the San Francisco Forty Niners that we've watched. You know this team's four and four in a very competitive division. And they're definitely slipping. And with guys like Garoppolo and Kittle possibly out for this season, it's going to be really tough for the Niners not just to win tonight, but you know to make the playoffs. Where 
Right now, they're the fourth best team. They're the worst team in their division. And again, they're, they are in the best division in football. But, you know, they're still the worst team in their division. And the NFC as a whole, I guess, you know, the NFC East, you know, it is what it is. But the NFC as a whole is pretty good. It has been very competitive. Especially with, you know, maybe some teams starting to find their stride. So we'll make it into that a little bit later. But I think, you know, it's really tough to go against the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to do his thing. And, you know, I'll be interested to see if the Packers can stop the run. You know, we saw last year the Packers could not stop the run for their lives in the NFC Championship game. And with a backup quarterback and so few weapons... For the Niners, the Packers better be able to stop the run because if they don't, even if they win, even if they win the game, if they can't stop the run, that's a huge red flag for them going forward. If they want to not just win their division, not just make a deep playoff run, but this team has Super Bowl aspirations. So if they can't stop the run tonight, that's going to be a major, major red flag. So I'm going with the Packers. Hopefully, the Niners can keep it close for uh, I guess our our entertainment. But uh, it's, it's really tough to see the Niners winning this game. So now let's go to the Sunday slate. And we'll start off with the Houston Texans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And who would have thought this would be a battle of 1-6 football teams? Yeah, Jaguars 1-6 makes sense. Kind of what we expected. But the Houston Texans are 1-6 and, and they don't even have a first round pick. You know, we said it before, this is a terrible situation for a GM to be in. You know, cap, cap situation, I don't believe is great when you have, like, Laramie Tunsil and Deshaun Watson. Now, obviously, getting Watson under contract was the right decision and right move. But overall, this Texans, you know, obviously now Bill O'Brien is no longer there. But this Texans, really front office, led by Bill O'Brien, did not make the smartest moves, especially in some trades as they as their draft picked uh they they don't have that much uh draft pick capital they they just don't so not only are you one in six and have really a lack of talent on defense you have nice pieces on offense uh, they definitely could add to the offense uh the defense is definitely the the biggest concern though moving forward but you don't have that many picks to shirt up with especially you know in the first and second round where you know Miami right now is thrilled to have Houston's picks i'm going to go with the Houston Texans they do have Deshaun Watson and Jacksonville Jaguars actually don't even have Garner Minshew. He suffered an injury, so I guess that's back. That's back-to-back games where the uh, day one starter, and I guess we're about we're gonna make it three soon in a minute. But back-to-back games for now, where the day one starter is not there uh, for you know, in this case, both injuries. So it's gonna be, I believe, Jake Luton, who's a rookie. Who I believe he was also taken in the sixth round. Uh, com- where Garner Minshew was taken a year ago, but Jake Luton will be making his first career start against the Houston Texans. So the Texans, this is a game, obviously, they should win, but at 1-6, you, can, you can't even be rooting for draft position if you're a Texans fan because you don't even have that first-round draft pick. So there's not much to root for if you're a Texans fan. Obviously, you'll tune in, and you're excited to see you know Deshaun Watson but right now for the Texans, you really don't have that much to be excited about right now. And even in the short-term future. Because long-term future, you have uh, Deshaun Watson. And this team should be much better next year. But even you know when even when you're looking towards you know the 2021 draft, 
there's not a lot to be excited about. So I just said there were, you know, two games where a quarterback, their day one quarterback wasn't playing. Let's make it three in a row. The New York Giants where, yes, Daniel Jones was the day one quarterback, but against the Washington football team where it started off as Dwayne Haskins, and now it's Kyle Allen. And I'm going to go with the Giants. Uh, They obviously, they beat Washington for their lone win of the season, but you can't look at this team, and it does frustrate me to an extent when you say, oh, this is a 1-7 football team. They belong with, like, the Jets and even the Jaguars because I'm not asking you to watch every single minute of every single Giants game, but just look at them. Bears game, they lost on the very last play. Rams game, they were driving, and, you know, Jones threw a late interception, which kind of sealed it for the Rams, but that was a very close game, and this high-powered Rams offense scored 17 points against the Giants' defense. And then you look at Cowboys, the Giants got two touchdowns taken off the board uh, because of penalties, maybe penalties penalties that should not have been called. Eagles' game was literally in their hands before it slipped through Evan Engram's hands. <laughs> the football did on the drop that would have sealed the Giants' game. And then, yeah, the Bucks game where... Daniel Jones, if he plays, even if he plays slightly below average, the Giants win the game. The Giants really should have beaten a a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team where a lot of people are picking them to go to the Super Bowl. So I think the Giants, maybe not talent-wise, but they're playing much better than their one-and-seven record shows. I, I really like what Joe Judge has done. Look, I'm not saying, oh, you know, moral victories are good or, yay, it's another moral victory. They're playing hard. But this team, they're facing teams that are way more talented, sh- that should be destroying the Giants, and the Giants really could have won two, three, even possibly four more games than they have won. So this Giants team, I think, is better than their record. They beat Washington last time. Uh, Joe Judge and Patrick Graham, who's their defensive coordinator, have done a great job making adjustments. And even Jason Garrett, you know, the first two, three weeks of the season was pretty boring, pretty vanilla offense, you know, bland. But over these last few weeks, he's done a much better job uh, getting the ball out of Jones' hands early, scheming guys open. That was a big uh, reason for concern. And, you know, think the, a narrative was these receivers aren't getting open. They're getting o- more open as of late. And uh, against a Washington football team, which, you know, they have nice players. I like Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson looks like a, you know, a really good a nice young running back. And then obviously that defense line with Montez Sweat and Chase Young, they have talent there too. So it's not like Washington has no talent, but this team isn't as talented as, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are. And Cowboys, remember that game was half Dak. When the Giants lost them, was like mostly Dak, but then Dalton did come in at the end. But overall, Washington's not as talented as Dallas. Uh, they're probably not as talented as Philly. And they're certainly not as talented as the Buccaneers. And you look at those were games the Giants easily could have won. Uh, so I'm going I'm to go with the Giants. I think the Giants do sweep the season series from the Washington football team and get their second win of the season. So now let's go to a game that should be really interesting and really fun to watch and probably one of, one of the better uh, 1 o'clock games of the day. Maybe not the best, but one of the better ones. And that's the 5-2 and two Ravens taking on the 5-2 and two Indianapolis Colts. And I'm going to go with the Ravens just because Philip Rivers has been so up and down and this Colts offense just hasn't been great. 
But I I expect this I expect both defenses to play pretty well. I'm not saying, you know, it'll be a complete, you know, lockdown defensive game, but I'd be a little surprised if it were a shootout or something. Obviously anything can happen. But if you know, the both if both teams score in the thirties, yeah, I'd probably be a little surprised. Uh both teams have really good defenses, uh front sevens and secondaries. College Stevens has been playing very well. This Ravens defense and some you know has been keeping them in games and winning games in a lot of cases, as Lamar Jackson has looked like a shell of himself, uh, compared to last year. So I think both defenses I'm going to do a pretty good job. I think both run defenses, you know, we especially we know Baltimore loves to run the football. So I think the Colts run defense uh, and overall defense against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens run defense will be really fun and interesting to watch. And you can kind of say the same for the uh, the other side of the ball. Uh, no Marlon Humphrey. I believe Marlon Humphrey tested positive for COVID-19. So obviously uh, I wish him a speedy recovery. But, uh, you know, I'm in terms of uh, this football game, that's gonna be a big loss for Baltimore. The thing is, this Ravens secondary is so good. You know, they have they still have a guy like Marcus Peters. You know, who yeah, sometimes he can be inconsistent, but he's you know he still can be a very good corner. Uh, Martin Don Martindale, their defensive coordinator, uh, does a very good job. So I expect this to be a really good game between two five and two teams, two teams fighting for uh, their division. Uh, their respective divisions, obviously not in the same division. Uh, so this this should be a really good game. The game is in Indianapolis. I think if it were in Baltimore, in the outside elements, I would have definitely picked Baltimore. So maybe with it being indoor, that'll lean towards a little bit of the Colts' favor. But in the end, I still think the Ravens get the win and improve to 6-2 and two on the season. So now let's go to... The Detroit Lions visiting the Minnesota Vikings, and this Vikings team looked dead, and I'm I mean dead, uh you know. But then they have this huge upset win against the Packers. Remember, just a few weeks ago, they easily could have been the Seahawks, who a lot of people think possibly might be the best team in the NFC. And you look at their schedule. Yes, they were one and five before beating Green Bay, and yes, they're only two and five. But Detroit, they played Detroit this week. Then they have Chicago. I'm not saying they win the game, but a, that is a winnable game. Then they play Dallas. I think whoever the quarterback is, as long as Dak doesn't, as long as Dak somehow doesn't, you know, as long as Dak's not playing and makes a miraculous return, I, I expect Minnesota to win that game. They play Carolina, that's a winnable game, and then they play Jacksonville. So, they're scheduled the rest of the way. They do have a game against New Orleans and a game against Tampa, but in between that, they have Chicago, and then after the New Orleans game, they have Detroit. So, the Vikings schedule actually really eases up, and I'm not gonna, I'm not saying this Vikings team is going to make this incredible run and go to the playoffs, but you do look at their next few games. Especially, you know, kind of the next four, five, six games. And after that statement win, not only against your division rival Green Bay, but in Green Bay, at Lambeau Field. That's always a tough place to play, fans or no fans. So that was just a very impressive win, the the way they really punched the ball down the Packers' throats. I'm going to pick Minnesota. Now, if Matthew Stafford, right now Matthew Stafford's on the COVID list, I still expect him to play because it was a close contact, not he has it. 
So and he can be activated on Sunday. So I still think Stafford's gonna play, and that'll make this game that much closer. But I think we saw last week, especially, you know, they faced Aaron Rodgers week one, the Vikings did, and Rodgers picked the Vikings defense to shreds. He he won he did what he wanted whenever he wanted. And now in and then last week, week eight, the Packers offense, yes, Devontae Adams had a huge game, but that Packers offense didn't you know, did not look as potent as it did in week one. And that's what I was looking for. You know, when I was talking about the secondary and I was hoping, you know, Zimmer or I was kinda of talking about how Zimmer might, you know, coach him up. With no preseason and, you know, limited OT you know, not no really OTAs and just a very limited not even exhibition games, but just limited, you know, training camp. Limited padding padded practices. The they're now starting to get in the groove. These young guys are now starting to get in the groove. And obviously, they trade Ngakwe. Daniel Hunter's out for the year. So, it might be too little too late. But you're, I think we're going to see... We might start to see some of these young guys progressing. You know, some of these... Especially in the secondary. Now, um, Cam Dantzler suffered a pretty... What looked like a very scary neck... Or kind of neck head injury. Hopefully, he's okay. I haven't seen how he's doing yet. But... Based on what I saw against the backers, he is not going to play this week. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. But I do, I think this Vikings team, especially the Lions, they don't have the best defense. So I think uh, Theo and Jefferson should do pretty well, along with the Vikings run game led by Dalvin Cook. So I really, I like the Vikings here. Both teams play in a dome, so it might not matter too much. The game is in Minnesota, for those of you who are wondering. But uh, I'm going with Minnesota, and now after winning, you know, back-to-back division games, maybe in a much easier schedule coming up, maybe they can start to roll, and maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to sneak into the playoffs, although it still seems a bit unlikely. So, now, as I said, we have a lot of really interesting games, and here's just a, a really another uh, game that should be really fun and interesting. The Chicago Bears, who are coming off... A tough loss to to the New Orleans Saints, and I picked the Bears, and you know obviously the game you know really could have gone either way at the end. Facing on facing the five and two Titans, who are coming off an embarrassing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense has looked great, but this Titans team, especially their defense, has looked pretty bad, especially the last really the last two weeks. The team in general, but overall this Titans defense has not been what we thought it was. Now, they just acquired Desmond King for a six-round pick. King is a free agent at the end of the year. So, you know, decent trade. You know, Chargers were just trying to get anything back for him, knowing that he was probably not a part of their long-term future. But Titans need reinforcements on that defense. And, you know, I I think a six-round pick for King, I think that's solid value for Tennessee. They're all in. They're in win-now mode. They see a window this year, and they're trying to take advantage of it, and I applaud them for that. They also cut Vic Beasley. And I don't remember if I said on the podcast, but Jadavian Clowney and Vic Beasley had zero sacks combined throughout this entire season. Zero sacks. Not one person has zero, and another person has, you know, two or three or four. Combined, they had zero sacks. And they paid Beasley $9.5 million. That's a lot of money. And they cut him halfway through the season. So, obviously, that's an investment that did not turn out in the Titans' favor. Overall, this Titans' defense just has to be playing better. And maybe an inconsistent Bears' offense will be the right medicine. 
I like the Bears' defense and maybe the inconsistency of the Bears' offense and the bad Titans' defense. You know, maybe that favors the Bears. I don't know. But I do think Ryan Tannehill, even though he might not have the best matchup, I think that overall Tannehill, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, I think they get back on track, and I think they get a win after, what, they were 5-0, five, five and oh, you know, they have a you know really hard-fought game against a Pittsburgh team that, again, I predicted to go to the Super Bowl in the preseason. But then that loss, that loss against Cincy, maybe it'll serve as a wake-up call. I know Mike, Mike Rabel won't be happy about it, but that that's a tough loss and something that you really want to see the character of this team after, you know, how do they bounce back after a tough loss like this? And again, I don't I don't know if Desmond King is eligible to play this week. Uh, actually, he was acquired, I believe, on Monday. So I think he actually might be. I'm not sure, but he might be eligible to play this week with all the COVID protocols and everything. Uh, so we'll, we'll see about that. But, you know, they need they needed defensive reinforcements any way they can get them, you know. And again, knowing they did, knowing they needed that, and they still went out and cut Vic Beasley, really says what they thought of him and his lack of production and play this season. So now let's go to the Carolina Panthers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, and this this Chiefs defense has actually been pretty good, you know, led by Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator. I expect the Chiefs to win this game. I guess I'm I'm hoping for a fun competitive game for entertainment purposes, but you know, I expect Patrick Mahomes to light it up. I mean, what? He has 21 touchdowns to one interception. I mean, that's in, that really is just incredible and it's incredible. You know, we talk about Aaron Rodgers in the MVP conversation. We talk about Russell Wilson, you know, maybe we're starting to talk about Tom Brady. In the early stages, we were talking about Josh Allen, you know, not so much anymore. We never, you know, we always talk about Mahomes as maybe, you know, the fourth guy, maybe the fifth guy, no higher than the third guy. But you look at his stats, he's putting up some of the best numbers in his career, and that includes his first full year starting when he had really that historic that historic season. So he's putting up some of his best numbers. This Chiefs defense is actually playing pretty well. It's not that liability. What could be interesting is really just minutes ago I saw that, Chris Jones, their star defensive tackle, is uh, was placed on the COVID list. Now, I think it, I could be wrong, but I think it was just a close contact. So if it was, you know, we'll see if he will be able to play. I don't know. Depends. Was it a high risk close contact? Was it not? So we'll see. I still expect the, whether he plays or not. I still expect the Chiefs to get the win. The game is in Arrowhead. If that had any, you know, implications. But the the Chiefs should win and improve to eight and one on the season. I mean the the Chiefs are a quiet seven and one, and you know, we we've been talking about Baltimore. We talk about Pittsburgh. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, we talk about Mahomes, but this the, the entire team is playing so well. The way Mahomes distributes it to everyone, from Tyreek Hill to Miko Hardman to Travis Kelsey to Demarcus Robinson, the running back duo of Bell and Elair, and again that defense has been playing really well this season. So now let's go to a game that, you know, I don't know if if they if the NFL could have a redo, I don't know if it'd be the one o'clock game. The Seattle Seahawks, six and one, against the Buffalo Bills who are six and two. I mean, this is gonna be a really fun competitive game. The game's in Buffalo. I'm gonna go with the Seahawks, 
but I'm really excited. And, you know, DK Metcalf against Tredavious White should be a fun matchup to watch. And again, these were Allen versus Russell Wilson. Obviously, Allen has kind of trailed off as of late, but early on, Allen was right in the thick of the MVP conversation. Russell Wilson obviously was in the thick of the MVP conversation from day one to right now. I'm going to, you know, I I like Seattle in this game. I think Josh Allen kind of falling off and kind of going back to the quarterback kind of maybe we expected coming to the season. And you have the MVP front runner in my mind in Russell Wilson in this game. So I'm going to go with Seattle just because more of the consistent quarterback play. But I, I, this should be a fun game, a competitive game. And I guess the only the only bad thing about this game is that it is at 1 o'clock. And I guess, you know, you might you might be thinking, you know, I guess, and we talked about it on the last podcast after Seattle traded for Carlos Dunlap, I, especially Shy was very, uh, he wanted Seattle to make another move. And although I think it would have been nice if Seattle had acquired another whether it be edge rusher, defensive back, whomever, I knowing they got Carlos Dunlap, I think that's much better than not making any move, and I think they could have done a whole lot worse than Carlos Dunlap. So I think another move would have been a nice luxury. I think you had to make at least one move, and you just see the lack of movement around the league overall. And then, you know, I don't think you can fault the Seahawks for not making another move. Now, if they hadn't made the Carlos Dunlap trade, then I think, yeah, you should be pretty upset and angry if you're a Seahawks fan. But you got a nice player in Dunlap. I like the trade for Seattle. So I thought, you know, another move would have been a nice bonus, but you had to make at least one. They did. And now, you know, we'll see the type of impact that Dunlap can make in this pretty big game and overall as the Seahawks march to a hope for their sake hopefully deep playoff run so now let's go to the Denver Broncos against the Atlanta Falcons Broncos actually are three and four and have more wins than the Falcons who are at two and six I guess despite you know despite what the records say uh, I'm gonna go with the Falcons here Falcons are two and six, but I think a lot like you know the Giants in a sense, you know they easily could have three or four more wins than they do. So this game's in Atlanta. I think that offense is going should do pretty well. This Denver defense is just not what it was a few years ago when they were winning the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning at the quarterback position. So you know that that defense is obviously kind of come and gone. Atlanta, I feel like when they're in a dome. Uh, they're obviously much better. We saw Julio have a big game against the Carolina secondary that has been solid at times. So I, I expect this Falcons offense uh, to do pretty well. I'll be interested to see, though. You know, this Falcons defense isn't great. And if you're Denver, you're really in the process of evaluating Drew Locke because, you know, although you're not going to be able to get Lawrence and you probably won't be able to get Fields, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields out of Clemson and Ohio State, respectively, coming out for the draft this upcoming uh, season. Could you get a possible guy like Trey Lance? I know uh, out of, um, I think, North North Dakota. What about, you know, what if, like, they Zach, uh, Zach Wilson, I believe, out of BYU? You know, he's a guy who's 
really emerging fat seems like a fast riser it seems like every year there's you know this one quarterback who comes out of nowhere you know you'll have like a you know in the preseason there'll be two or three quarter college quarterbacks you expect to go at the top and then there's you know one or two so like Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins a couple years ago last year was Joe Burrow you know, so we've seen the, you know, we've seen some like this, especially in recent history before. So is Zach Wilson that guy? So Denver, you know, they they already they're three and four. So I think they'll probably be picking more in the middle of the draft. But right now they are definitely in the process of evaluating Drew Locke. So you know, against what should be a favorable matchup, you know, can Drew Locke get the job done? Uh, I think you know it'll be interesting. Jerry Judy possibly against AJ Terrell. Some Alabama an Alabama rookie against a Clemson rookie, so that that should be maybe a fun matchup to watch. But uh, at the end of the day, I do think this Atlanta offense would be too potent for Denver and for the Denver offense to catch up to. So I like the Falcons in this game to get their third win of the season. So now let's go to the Las Vegas Raiders against the. Los Angeles Chargers and you know Chargers making the Desmond King trade and this should actually be a really fun and interesting game because Raiders or Raiders are four and three and you know, they have a winning record and obviously the Chiefs are kind of running with that division although the Raiders handed the Chiefs their only loss of the season but you know, Raiders 4-3, they've had some big wins against the Chiefs, against the Saints. Like, you know, this team has been playing really well, really competitively. And, you know, Derek Carr's having a really, really nice season. And then you have the Chargers, too. Again, another team that easily could have two, three more wins than they do, four more wins than they do. They could have been the Saints. You know, they had the game against the Chiefs in their hands and kind of let that one slip away. Like... Another, you know, the Panthers came down to the last play of the game. So, you know, the Chargers are another example of, you know, a team that could be better or really is better and has played better than maybe what their record is showing, especially Justin Herbert. Right now, Justin Herbert is my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I understand what Joe Burrow's doing, and I understand what Justin Jefferson's doing, but... Joe Burrow did go number one overall for a reason. And when Herbert was picked, there wasn't, you know, any, like, I think terrible booing or intense backlash. But I did feel like, you know, there was kind of... A lot of people were thinking, eh, was this too early for Herbert? I understand maybe he was the next best quarterback after Tua... But, you know, the Chargers, maybe they could have upgraded the offensive line for her, Taylor and then taken a quarterback later. Like, so a lot of people did think, you know, was it, was it too high? Was it too high for, you know, a guy like Justin Herbert? And Herbert obviously is proving all those people wrong, at least so far in his career. He's doing a great job. I mean, just doing a great job of spreading the ball around. You know, I feel like... Yeah, you know, he's throwing the ball a lot to Keenan Allen, throwing the ball a lot to Mike Williams, but even guys like Guyton, you know, Jalen, I think his name is Jalen Guyton. He's having some big catches in big spots. Hunter Henry has done a really nice job and, you know, kind of down near the goal line in other situations. Like, Herbert, as a young quarterback, yeah, he might be relying 
on, you know, Allen might be his favorite target, or Mike Williams might be his first read, but he, even Justin Herbert's doing a really good job spraying the ball out, uh, escaping, using his legs, extending the play, and he's just making so many throws, you know, that really wow you, and, you know, you can see that the typical player or the typical quarterback don't make those types of plays. And so it's just really, really fun to watch. And I'm going with the Chargers. I know the Raiders have the better record, but I really think Herbert has a big game. Um, Maybe the Herbert will give them a big lead and the Chargers will blow it once again. But I don't see that happening this time around. I think the Chargers, I think it's going to be a really interesting game, close game, fun game. Chargers games are always that way. But I do think Justin Herbert will do enough. I think he's going to have another big game. I think a lot of those uh, Chargers pass catchers are going to have a big game. And it should be a really fun and interesting game to watch. So now I'm going to talk about the number one defense when you're talking about points. Well, let's see. I already already talked about the Ravens, so it can't be them. The Steelers? No, it's not the Steelers. The Buccaneers? It's not the Buccaneers. The Colts, maybe? No. It's the Miami Dolphins. Yes, the Miami Dolphins have allowed the least amount of points per game. And that's just a huge credit to Brian Flores. And before I talk about this Dolphins-Cardinals game, I found something really interesting Interesting that didn't really hit me until I saw it on Twitter is, you know, they completely shut down the Rams. Golf, what, four turnovers? Don't, nothing was working for the Rams kind of after that first drive. First drive, Rams kind of got their way. Uh, they scored. But other than that, nothing was working for the Rams. And I saw it on Twitter that Brian Flores, obviously coming from the Patriots, coming from, you know, he was their defensive coordinator. He's defensive-minded. But what I, I guess I just never put it together that he was the Patriots defensive coordinator when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. When that high-flying, you know, boy genius offense of Sean McVay and Jared Goff and, you know, Todd, I guess Todd Gurley was kind of banged up and injured then, but, you know, Brandon Cooks, he was the Patriots defense corner that really shut him down, and obviously, you know, we gave a ton of praise and attention, as we should have, to Bill Belichick, but Brian Flores was there too, and Brian Flores was, re- you know, obviously just as much scheming up stuff as Bill Belichick, maybe even more so knowing that Belichick obviously has, you know, to kind of oversee the entire team, while at the time Flores was obviously purely looking and watching film for the defense, but he probably used either, I don't want to say the exact same game plan, but maybe a game plan based off that Super Bowl, or at least something similar to it, because that Rams offense in both games just looked completely lost. I mean, like a deer in headlights, so Brian Flores, and I know that was last week, and I thought that was kind of a cool connection to make, but this Miami Dolphins team is heading in the right direction. And they're heading in the right direction quickly. I mean, this team is 4-3. and three, And they're not that far out of it. I mean, you know, Bills are 6-2. and two, But, you know, as I said, I don't think the Bills are going to beat Seattle. So, you know, Buffalo could easily be 6-3 and three this week. Or after this week. I do think the Cardinals are going to beat the Dolphins. So I do think the Dolphins... Uh, we'll go to four and four and five hundred on the season, 
But the Dolphins at 4-4 four and four through, I guess, nine weeks, but for them, eight games, that's really impressive. And just, just you know, after the terrible start they got off to last year, the laughing stock of the league and the blowouts, they played some really competitive football down the stretch, and they won some really tough games, including beating the Patriots in Foxborough. I mean, Brian Flores and that entire organization is just heading in such a positive direction, such a great direction, and I think they're doing it a lot faster than some of us thought. And oh yeah, they have two first-round draft picks. I believe they have two second-round draft picks. And obviously they have their own picks, but they also have the Houston Texans picks, who are way worse than the Dolphins. The, again, Dolphins are 4-3, and three, Texans are 1-6. and six. Anything can happen. But right now, it, lo- it looks like that the Texans' pick might be better than the Dolphins' pick. <laughs> who who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? So, you know, we're talking about how bad of a situation it is for a GM in Houston to come into. Imagine what Chris Greer, the Dolphins' GM. I mean, he's probably sitting back in his chair, you know, I don't know, sitting back in his chair, legs up, and uh, smiling from ear to ear because they have a lot of young talent. They have the right coach, not just head coach, but I feel like, coaches and personnel in place and they have a boatload of draft picks uh and i i think we've seen you know obviously you have to execute those draft picks you have to hit on those draft picks but from what we've seen so far and then able they've been able to they've been spending their money smartly uh you know i have to check the cap situation i know they did spend you know a solid deal of money on guys like eric flower and kyle van noy and obviously byron jones which was like you know the big fish or, you know, the big dolphin, you could say, um, in the off season. But this this Dolphins team, if you're a Dolphins fan, you have a lot to be excited about. You have a lot to be excited about. You have a really, in my opinion, good young quarterback in Tua, who obviously they'll continue to evaluate. I do think the Cardinals get the win. But, I mean, this Dolphins team is just heading in such a great direction. I can't, I really just can't stress it enough. So now let's get to maybe the snoozer of the weekend. I hate to I hate to say that, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are the NFL's lone undefeated team after taking down their division rival Baltimore Ravens, which was it was really just a simp- a classic Ravens Steelers game, hard fought, you know, really down down to the wire, you know, in the trenches, physical you know, football game. It was just a really fun and classic NFC North, especially Steelers-Ravens type of football game. And again, beginning of the season, you're looking at Steelers-Cowboys, and you, you know, you can't blame the NFL for putting this game at 425. But, you know, you're looking at a great game here, but obviously it's not even going to be, you know, they're benching Ben DiNucci after his performance against Philly. They're going with either Cooper Rush, who was on the Giants practice squad earlier, or Garrett Gilbert, who, you know, Shy and I, we have a running joke of, about Garrett Gilbert. Um, so, obviously, you know, he, he'll pretend to be worried. But, uh, no, we, we, anyway, we have a running joke about that. But either way, the Cowboys are putting out a guy who, at quarterback, whom the average football fan definitely wouldn't have not heard of. And, obviously, Steelers are putting out a Hall of Fame quarterback with a dominant, potent defense Again, you can't blame the NFL for putting this game at 425 because I think, you know, with Dak, it would have been a really fun, interesting game to watch. You know, Cowboys offense, Steelers defense, Dak and Ben Roethlisberger, 
you know, should be a should be a fun, great game. And obviously now with, you know, the Cowboys injuries at their quarterback position, I mean, even Andy Dalton against the Steelers, although I think it would have been a blowout still, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, had made some trouble with the Steelers, could never beat him in the playoffs, you know, even you would have that storyline, but you don't even have that here, so... I I guess the NFL has not started flexing games because I think if they did, they would have probably replaced this game with Seahawks-Bills. But uh, it is what it is. And, you know, again, I get for entertainment purposes, hopefully the Cowboys surprise us and put up a fight and we get a good football game. But I, I would be stunned, stunned, I tell you, if the Steelers did not win this game. They're, at the end of the day, this team is going uh, going to be 8-0. And the Steelers... Again, they're going to win this game. And I, again, I would be completely shocked if they don't. But uh, any any given Sunday, who knows? <laughs> so I guess those were, those were the day games. Now let's finish up with the two night games. And I want to start with the... I'm going to start with the Monday night game. And I guess I'm going to start with the Monday night game because I think the Sunday night game is a lot more interesting. Monday night, it's Patriots-Jets. Um... Uh, the 0-8 Jets, the 2-5 two, two Patriots after Cam Newton with the, you know, heartbreaking fumble at the end of the Bills game that obviously, you know, who knows, maybe they tie it there and then the Bills win overtime, but obviously in position to at least tie the game. Patriots trying to go for the touchdown, Newton fumbles, Bills recover, and that ended it. I'll go, I'll, I want to talk about a trade first that happened within the past week. Between the Jets and the Steelers, who I just finished talking about. Another reason why I want to talk about this game first, because two teams, obviously, Jets and Steelers, making this trade. Um, Pittsburgh, Devin Bush towards ACL, I believe, a couple weeks ago. I want to say it was against Tennessee. Maybe it was a week earlier. But, you know, Devin Bush, obviously a big uh, playmaker right in the middle of their defense. They're, they're middle linebacker who they trade up for a couple years and then they draft, and he's been great for them over the last year and a half. So that was a big loss when he went down for the season. I don't, you're not really upgrading when you go from Bush to Avery Williamson, but again, with with Bush done for the season, knowing you're not getting him back at all, I really like this Williamson trade for Pittsburgh. You're getting a really a solid middle linebacker, a guy who. You know, it's not just startable. He's going to be really... I think he's just going to be really solid. Might, you know, will you miss a bit of a step? Maybe. But you have enough playmakers in TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden. You have so many other talented players in the Steelers defense that can, I think, definitely make up the loss of Bush to Williamson. And on the Jets' side, uh, they got a fifth-round pick. Now, they also had to give up a seventh-round pick <laughs> to Pittsburgh, but you had a fifth-round pick in 2022, not 2021, but 2022. And I think, you know, that that's solid. That's solid. Uh, you know, how much, obviously, the, Joe Douglas, their GM, didn't picture Williamson a big part of their future, which I think is, you know, de- you definitely can see that. So I think it, it's a good trade uh, for both teams. Obviously, you know, Avery Williamson, you know, is going from the 0-8 Jets to the 7-0 and Steelers. So that's a big boost for him. He's probably one of the ha- happiest people alive uh, this week after kind of the turn the turnaround he had, and probably just a matter in a matter of really one day. So I, th- I thought it was a solid trade for both teams, considering where they are in the stage of rebuilding slash winning. 
But I'm going to go with the Patriots here. You know, I know they're 2-5, and five, but, you know, it wasn't a complete disaster against the Bills. I know the offense may not have played great, but they did sustain some drives. They did, you know, have some drives when they have some scoring drives or have some drives that went deep into Bills territory when they had to. You know, if Newton doesn't fumble, you know, you had a leader drive to at least tie the game, and he did that. He just fumbled at the end of it, but they were definitely in position to at least tie the game there, which is unfortunate for the Patriots' sake and Cam Newton's sake. So I do think the Patriots get the win, get their third win of the season. It's weird that, you know, it'll be their eighth game of the season, and we're talking about the third one of the season in relation to the New England Patriots. When was the last time When was the last time we were talking about that uh, type of uh, uh, record for the New England Patriots? The Jets, though, they're 0-8. They're just non-competitive. Uh, it's not even... They're not even like, well, they fight and, you know, they're better than their record says they are. They're really not. <laughs> they're they're an 0-8 team. They look like an 0-8 team. There's not much to say. There's not much else to say about the Jets. You know how I feel about Sam Darnold. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I've said it many times. I really like Indianapolis and the Steelers. Yeah, Steelers come up again. Hey, now that Joe Douglas and Kevin Colbert have a relationship making trades here, maybe they can strike a deal for Joe, or not Joe, uh, Sam Darnold in the offseason. But Colts, Steelers, I like those two teams for Sam Darnold in a possible offseason move. And I think if he goes to any one of those two teams, or maybe another well-run uh, organization that could be looking for a future at quarterback, I think Darnold is going to turn out to be a, a really nice quarterback. And I, I see him make plays that, you know, <laughs> that really you can see the talent there you can see the talent there but the lack of talent around him whether it's at the receiver position tight end position or even the offensive line you know I like Makai Becton he's been much better than I thought he was I really didn't expect to, him to be this good so soon I thought he had a lot to work on so you know good for him but overall this Jets team is just they just don't have that much talent it's kind of Sam Darnold and everybody else on this team, especially when you have, like, Jamison Crowder, who at least is, like, a nice slot receiver. He's been injured, so poor poor Sam Darnold. And uh, I do expect the Patriots to get this, uh, to get the win. And that, that game is on Monday night. So now I'm going to go to the Sunday night game. Uh, the, and I want to save this game uh, to after the Monday night game because I think it's going to be a lot more interesting to talk about, to be honest. Uh... It's a big division game. The Saints against the Bucks. Uh Saints are at five and two, Bucks are at six and two. Saint obviously the Bucks coming off a narrow, narrow win against the Giants on Monday night. And the Saints, uh they just they made their own trade uh before the deadline, acquiring linebacker Quan Alexander from the San Francisco 49ers. Kinda says maybe where the Niners think they are in that division. Uh, I thought it was a good trade for both sides. I actually kind of liked it for the Niners. I know maybe some people didn't. But a fifth and Kiko Alonso, who's another linebacker, going back to San Francisco. The Niners have guys like Dre Greenlaw, like Fred Warner, who are pretty versatile. Uh, they both can do a, you know a solid job in coverage. So I actually really like the Niners linebackers. You're adding a solid linebacker in, in Alonso plus a fifth rounder. Keep in mind, Quan Alexander was really banged up. Um, you know, he wasn't healthy. In fact, they were. Pro- I think Ian Rappaport said they were even looking to trade him in the off season, and may have you know been able to if he were healthy. So, 
you know, they they kind of wanted to get rid of him. And, you know, again, solid value. But the Saints, obviously, in win-now mode, they're going to take on Quan Alexander, pair him with Demario Davis on a defense that, you know, maybe has been a bit below expectations out of late, as of late. You know, they haven't been the defense that we thought. They definitely could be. And, you know, after really dominating Tampa and where Tampa looked lost in Week 1, that Bucks offense has been much, much, much better. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I think they're going to end up splitting the season series uh, against each other, the head-to-head series. And the Saints then will be 5-3, and three, and Tampa will be 7-2. and two. And, that, you know, that'll obviously, that'll obviously be pretty big because, you know, Bucks then would have a pretty solid lead on that division, pretty good grasp on that division if they can get the win against the Saints. Antonio Brown's back. I think that that's obviously, you know, that's the big storyline is, you know, Saints, Drew Brees, Buccaneers, and Brady, same division, you know, could be for the division. Because, you know, if I was saying what would happen if, I was saying what would happen if the um, Bucks won, if the Saints win, Saints are 6-2, and two, and Bucks are 6-3. and three. So then the Saints have a lead in the division, and they would have also had the head-to-head against Tampa, which is like an extra game. So... This game could be for the division. Obviously, Seattle's played really well and Green Bay's played really well. But, you know, these teams aren't out of the one seed and only one seed gets a bye. So this game could really be for the division and possibly, possibly even for the one and only bye in the NFC. So this game is huge. Obviously, also another big storyline is Antonio Brown. And I think he's going to play. I don't know if they're going to throw him in for, you know, a heavy, heavy, heavy workload. Uh, I haven't really too, heard too much on the Chris Godwin front. Uh, I think it might, maybe it was only a one-week absence for him. I don't know. Uh, so it might depend on how much Godwin can go. I think, though, when when Antonio Brown is going to be in there, I think Brady's going to make an effort to get him the ball. Kind of like what we saw last year in his one game with the Patriots. You know, they really want to get him kind of up to speed, get him accustomed to kind of just, I would say the offense, but just playing in the NFL again. He hasn't played in an NFL game in over a year. So it's one thing to get caught up with the playbook, caught up with the offense, caught up with just the rhythm of, you know, the offense. But then there's also, like, you know, we talk about we have, we talk about all the time, good shape or great shape versus NFL shape. He hasn't played in an NFL game in over a year. So, you know, they have to get him up to speed and all sorts of things. So I definitely think he's gonna he's possibly gonna see a lot of targets when he is out there. I think they're gonna, you know, try to get him back in the you know, or not not really back, but in the flow of things of an NFL game and then obviously their offense as a whole. So I'm gonna go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you know, we said that Saint Stevens has not lived up to what we thought it was. <laughs> that Bucks defense, I knew I said it was I said it was underrated. I didn't think it'd be this good though, and I've mentioned uh my praise and how much I think Todd Bowles should be in the market for another head coaching job sometime soon. I I think that Bucks offense looks like to be riding in all cylinders. Even if a guy like Godwin's been out, you know, you look at a guy like Scotty Miller has had some, you know, nice moments and then Rob Gronkowski, you know, we're talking about early, oh, is he kind of going to be more in a blocking role now? You know, he's not getting the targets. He's not getting the looks. 
that maybe we expected Gronk to have, you know, what's what the Brady and Gronk's connection, should Gronk have stayed in retirement, well, obviously, you know, it took him time to get used to the offense, it took him time to get used to playing in an NFL game, but he looks like his uh, relationship with Brady, uh, we obviously know that their relationship's great, but in terms of rhythm on the field, uh, that looks like it's back to where it was uh, before his short retirement. And and Brady just looks in rhythm with a bunch of guys. I know maybe Evans has gone hasn't gotten a ton of targets, but he's gotten a big he's gotten a lot of red zone targets and end zone targets and he's made the most of them. And, you know, Scotty Miller is becoming a bigger part of the offense, I feel like. And obviously, you know, we talked about Gronk Gronk and now possibly Godwin and obviously Antonio Brown coming. So I also think Brady just looks a lot more comfortable in this offense than he did in week one. He just looked uncomfortable there in week one. And some of it may have been the Saints defense, but I think a lot of it was, you know, new coaches, new playbook, uh, you know, n- new new weapons, new receivers, new players to that he has to work with. So I think he's kind of back to, you know, Tom Brady that we thought he was, that he was when, in New England for all those years. Maybe not, you know, when he was winning MVPs and leading that undefeated um, regular season undefeated team. But I do think the Bucks get this win. So that's going to wrap it up for week nine of the 2020 NFL season. But I always, you know, I always usually point out a coordinator who deserves a head coaching job or just someone who deserves high praise. And I'm going to go with a Giants coordinator. You might be saying, why Giants are one in seven? I'm going to go with Patrick Graham. Now, the average football fan probably does not know who Patrick Graham is. And to be honest, I didn't really know who Patrick Graham was until the Giants hired him. He is their defensive coordinator. And, you know, I've been, James, guys like James Bradbury and Blake Martinez, they're playing some of their best football in their careers. Even the better talented guys on this football team or on that defense of the Giants are playing the best football in their careers. But overall, I mean, you look at right now, their pass rushers are what? Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown. And even those guys are developing. Carter Coughlin is a seventh-round pick who's a rookie, and Cam Brown's a sixth-round pick who's a rookie. They're also throwing out, like, Trent Harris and Jabal Sheard. You know, veterans who, you know, are decent, you know, depth guys, but usually you don't want these guys as your starters. Another guy, Kyler Fackrell. Kyler Fackrell. He, him and Martinez were both from Green Bay, and they both had their best years under Patrick Graham. Uh, previously this year, they both had their best seasons under Patrick Graham when Graham uh, was on the Green Bay staff. And I want to highlight something uh, about Martinez for a second because Martinez, when he came over to the Giants, kind of expressed some frustration about how he was using Green Bay, you know, last year when Patrick Graham was with the Dolphins. And he really was just, you know, frustrated with how he was used, thought he wasn't uh, used with his strengths where he can highlight his strengths. And, you know, he just didn't feel like he was being used the right way when I think he may have hinted that he felt like when Patrick Graham was there in Green Bay in years prior, he felt more comfortable in that role. Well, now he's back in that role. I think you can see him comfortable. He's playing some of his best football, as is Fackrell and Bradbury. And we talked about the lack of, really, edge rushers they have, and somehow Patrick Graham is creating somewhat of a pass rush, and they have some nice interior guys as well. as You know, Leonard Williams having probably the best season of his career. 
And then, I mean, their their cornerback, too, is like Ryan is Ryan Lewis, who was cut by the Washington football team, and the Giants claimed on waivers, but then he's been injured. So, you know, their cornerback, too, has been a combination of Isaac Yadam, who was from Denver, who they traded a seventh-round pick for, Madre Harper, and they signed off of a practice off the practice squad like they're they have they have some really their top end talent guys where they're not many but they do have some nice top end talent guys are playing their best football in their careers and then he's somehow making the most of the situation knowing there's just not that much talent on this Giants defense and this Giants defense hasn't been dominant hasn't been great no but it's definitely overperforming I thought this was going to be a bottom three to five defense. It's been a decent defense. And again, I know no Godwin, and I know Antonio Brown wasn't there yet. But overall, they played really well against the Bucks, And even allowing 25 points, a, a lot of that was on Daniel Jones making really bad mistakes on offense. The defense, I just thought, was gassed by the end of the game. So I just want to give some credit to Patrick Graham. I think he's going to... I'm not saying head coaching yet. No, I mean... The Miami Dolphins, he was Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator last year, and they just let him walk, which was a little puzzling to me. And the time, I'm like, why are you letting, why are you hiring this guy? Well, they obviously, the Giants obviously knew what they were doing. So I'm not saying he should be a defensive coordinator or a head coach yet, but I am impressed with what he's done as a defensive coordinator for the Giants this season. So that's going to wrap it up for this week nine edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. Hopefully, Shai Dweck will be with us for next week's episode. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. So, I will see you next time on NFL Game Time Podcast.